0: You. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, everyone, this is Ishmael from Dead Is Not a Noun. I hope everyone's doing well. Um, I'm doing the best I can. Um, I'm truly excited to have this particular guest on. I've been a big fan of him since 2017. He is His name is Razo. He is the f- uh, founder and the host of The Black Experience in Japan. How you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me.
1: No, thank you for coming on. Um, one of the videos I find I f- I found kind of therapeutic for myself was the video you just posted recently about the um you know the the last sunset of 2020 mm-hmm. in Mount Fiji. Um, I thought that was awesome. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Because that kind of encapsulated everything of 2020 mm-hmm. into 20. Twenty one. Can you talk about that?
2: Uh, so you mean like what I spoke about in the video itself? Yes. Um, wow. Uh, that was a beautiful moment. So thinking back, it was very cold. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cold, right? But it was beautiful because uh, Mount Fuji was across from the lake um, and the sun was setting toward the right of it. And it was a sort of year in, I was being introspective of 2020. Um, you know, COVID-19 came in like a whirlwind. And uh, it, it really like gi- um, gave the world a blow, like a shot, man. Like, and uh, uh, even myself I had so many travel plans, right? For the first quarter, uh, so many different countries and uh, COVID-19 came in and I'm like, I had to change my plans. I only made it to Singapore, that was it. And then I couldn't go anywhere else. Um, and uh, so I was talking about uh, reprioritizing things in my life. Because, um, like the whole like I was focused on BJ so much. Usually, I'm a type of person. I'm the type of person that you know, if I'm going after something, I'm like all in, and uh, it's like the first thing, and the second thing, maybe the last thing, and then everything else after that. Uh, whether it's uh, my relationship with God, um, I believe suffered. Uh, my family life, um, usually sometimes I'm editing, my daughter would come into my office and stuff and I'd be like, I'm, I'm, I'm working, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm doing this. I'm like, you know, like, I, I'll talk to you in a second. Uh, and I realized that, man, like first things weren't first in my life, right? And then COVID-19 that time, it was a year where I started to re- re-examine myself and um, and started to say, you know what? Let me put first things first. Uh, Because uh, even if you get to the pinnacle, of what you're going after, right? Um, it's like, at the end of the day, like what really matters? Like what then? And I, ju- I just started just thinking about a lot of stuff um, about what really matters. And uh, 2020 was that year for me because we had a lot of time to think, a lot of time to think, trust me. Um, so it was just a, the video was just me just unpacking and just being transparent vulnerable in the moment as well, uh, talking about just what 2020 represented uh, me re my life, and put in first things first, God, my family, you know, then BG and my other pursuits. Um, so that was what it represented for me. You know, it was a it was a tough year for a lot of people. Um, I had to go back to Jamaica to my, uh, my funeral. My grandmother passed away right. um as well. And that was that was another emotional roller coaster. there's the way that whole thing happened. Um, then to travel in the midst of COVID-19 is another thing. Man, the world ain't the same, bro. That's that's definitely for sure. It's it's very different. But um, 2020 was a, a sobering year. And I think it was a year that will catapult me um, into my destiny and purpose um, uh, more accurately. Uh, so that, that was what it represented for me.
1: Yeah. Well, definitely. And then one thing I got from that video is, and it was just a beautiful thing to see you evolve as a human being. You, know, <laughs> you felt like, you know, you did your work of changing the narrative when it came to black people. Because yeah. I know, like, like the reason you started the Black Experience in Japan was, you know, you know, your father wasn't there when you were little, and you were looking for yeah. superheroes, yeah, and heroes, and so that's the reason why you created a Black Experience in Japan. But at the same time, seeing that video, you said, you know what? There's more to life than changing the narrative. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a spiritual spark part that I'm 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 seeking you know
2: yeah. I mean? so yeah. can you kind of kind of break that down for me a little bit okay that's that's big that's that's big. <laughs> um <laughs> you know what um yeah i started to think man it's like it's it's crazy from from what i believe right i'm a christian right so from right. from my faith perspective um, I usually, every time I read the Bible and I read about the word, re- read the words of Jesus Christ, it's very specific in, in what he requires. Right. And, um, I'm used, like when I see it, I'm like, man, I look at it and I look at my life, you know, like I look down at, at the page and I look up at my life and I, I look around me and I'm trying to find something that represents what's in the word. I'm like, it's, it's lacking somewhere, but first I got to start with myself. And I'm like, Ranzo, are you actually living your life in this way? And I wasn't, uh, because he wasn't first, you know. You know, and I listened to someone at one point I can't remember when that said he's like everyone has a sort of that that place in their life, that spot that God fills. But if you're not pursuing or following God, something else is God for you. So if you're not, if it's not your relationship with Him, it's maybe your business, your career, uh, whatever it, m- money, whatever. So it's like everyone has that seat in them. So if God is not sitting there, it's something else. And whatever that thing is, that's your God. I was like, man, that was, that hit me. I'm like, wow. I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at my life and I'm like, what's in that seat? And it wasn't God. He wasn't number one. Right. Like I I call myself like a grinder. Like I work super hard. If I'm going after something, look, when I was doing like, um, uh, before COVID-19, I was doing interviews. I was working like all the time. I'm like right. traveling, like it's my whole life. Right. Um, and i'm like man where where was god like maybe i might pray one and two times but he wasn't he wasn't the number one thing in my life and um with the narrative of black people changing the narrative we know that there's a problem yes. and as recent as last night i watched a movie called woodlawn okay. amazing movie amazing you need to watch it um it's about this uh football player um american football player uh, his name is tony i can't remember his last name at this moment but uh it was during the uh, the racial segregation era in the nineteen okay. seventies, right? Sixties, mm-hmm. seventies coming up, and they never wanted him to play on the football field because he was black. Right. Right. And I was looking at just what black people had to go through. This guy was talented. And I'm right. like, man, I, I feel the pain and, and I'm like, I understand, I I I can I can identify with the pain. Right. And I'm like, man, um, so there is a problem right and when we look at the narrative from then until now uh you know like mo- most of the movies we see black people are painted in a negative light yes. and then when we move over overseas like i'm in japan and other countries you can see where you can see the effects of that someone yeah. sees you they don't see you as an individual they don't see ishmael first they yeah. see what they've seen on the tv screen or oh, yeah. maybe this is who this person is Right. So there's this preconception. Uh, and I'm like, okay, so there's a problem. So I'm like, you know what? I wanted to. So I set out, of course, you know, um, I started the Black Experience Japan uh showing black people as who they are, not who people think we are. Yes. And but but at the same time, I'm like, okay, we've made inroads, we've made some progress, right? Our videos have been watched millions of times, and people have reached out to me. And I know that it has changed people's lives that appeared on the channel and people who have seen it in some way, shape, or form, or at the very least, they were inspired. In some capacity but but the question i was posing last year in, in that video the live stream was okay so let's say we get to that place right right where we get our due you know we uh there's equity we're equal we're treated the way we ought to be treated right. we're there right? right now we start you know maximizing our potential uh no one is trying to um stonewall us no one is trying to keep us down, hold us down. We're ready. We're out there thriving. I'm like, okay, what? What's next? Because that's not all there is to life, and it's a fact, right? I was listening to a guy. Um, I was working out last night, and there was a dude. Um, his name is Something King. Uh, it's a, it's an African guy. Okay. And the guy started a business at 37, retired at 44, right? Wealthy man, like dude, like multi now, right? And the man died. Last year. Shortly thereafter. And I'm like, I'm watching this guy. He's a motivational speaker. He was a motivational speaker. He's sharing his story, all these things. I'm like, man, this guy is so inspirational. But then the man died. Like, young man, like in his 40s. Right. Right? Like, from what I see, I think he's in his 40s. Um, And the man died. So now I'm like, bro, like the man has everything. Material wise. He's doing his work and then now he's gone. Right. So I'm like, so I'm like, wait, that's it. Right? I'm like, there must be something more. Because even if you it's like even if you get all the things you want, there's something greater. So for me, I'm like, man, I don't want to stop at changing an image alone. Okay, right. what's next? What about the soul? Because a lot of people, some people believe that there's nothing else, but I believe there's something more. And I've had um different experiences, experiences in my life that testifies to me about the fact that god is and i'm like okay since god is it means that there's more than just uh you know okay like change the image of black people the narrative uh being successful um in the world there's something else there's something greater and i'm like man i I have to the the mission is lopsided Right, right, it has to be balanced, yeah. right? So it's like, okay, like while we're we're changing the narrative of black people in the world, we also need to make people know that look, your soul has value, there's importance, there's yes. in, importance there, there's more to this life afterwards. So you need to make sure that okay, once you've changed the image of black people and you've done this, make sure that your heart is right, your soul is right with God. So after you leave. Because the the journey continues. Yeah. That's the thing. The journey continues, right? It's not, it's not that it stops after you've amassed whatever. It continues. So if you stop there, it's incomplete. And yes. then greater struggle awaits. Yes. Right? So it's like, okay, you you've um overcame you overcame the struggle in this life. Right. And right? you think you're good, but there's something greater, something worse. Right. So we need to make sure that. Yes, we 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 know you know we fix we do what we can in this world, but also, even greater still, is our salvation and what comes next, right? So yeah. that so that's where my mind is. I'm like, man, because I believe it, and I'm like, I can't just be talking to people about one side, right? Not the other. I'm like, yeah. this is my foundation. I'm like, this is where I'm doing this from. I'm doing this thing from my heart from the beginning. It wasn't about anything else. It was literally a heart po- like project. Like that's where it's coming from. And it became what it became. I never knew that was going to happen, but it did. But if someone asked me, like, how? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I was just following my heart. And I'm like, man, I'm not sharing this part of me. I I intentionally avoided conversations about God because I felt like it was polarizing. And I, I felt like people, just the way that some people have responded since I've started talking about God, I'm like, okay, I knew that was going to happen. But I'm like, you know what? I felt like God gave me, All the platform, for instance, and I'm like, you know what? If I'm gonna lose it by talking about him, I'm like, so be it, because he's a foundation, that's the truth, all right. And so that's why I was grappling with that, that I was struggling last year because I felt like God spoke to me. Well, I knew that God spoke to me last year, actually. And um, I'm like, at the time that He spoke to me, I'm like, man, why? Why now? It was the my wife can tell you, man, I was like, man, I'm like, Like, I'm like, what? (laughs) You know, and that's the thing that the, the struggle between, uh, you know, our temporal life and our eternal life. Right. It's like continual until we leave this planet, right? Because we're thinking about all the things here. yeah, Right. Um, and then we're thinking about, okay, we want to make sure we're somewhere else, like where God is afterwards. And we can't. And the Bible said you can't serve two gods, right. right? And like, I guess I was serving two gods. I was double-minded because I'm like, okay, I want to build this thing. I have all this, uh, all these ideas about BJ and all these things. And right. I'm like, man, God, how am I going to do this? If you want me to do this, so you wanted me to shift my focus as well, right? So I believe. So it, I know, like, I'm long-winded. Forgive me. No, um, no, no,
1: no, 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 go for it, brother.
2: <laughs> okay, but but in, in in a nutshell, it's that. We shouldn't only focus on the things concerning this life, right? Because uh God is beyond this life. And it's if we just it's almost like you're treating the outside of something, not the inside, right? So you take a shower, you get some cologne on, put on some good clothes, but at the same time, you're not eating right, right? right. You're not putting in the right thing inside you, you're not taking care of your inside as right. you're outside. And even if outside look good, if you don't feel great. If you're, if you're unhealthy, I'm like, what can you really do? You can't go anywhere, you can't enjoy yourself really. So I think it's it's like a complete picture, and that's what I want um, to do going forward. It might be a different approach because I know some people have different things to say about it. Right. I'm not exactly sure how to merge the the, the two at this stage exactly. I'm still working on that, but that's um that's what I want to do because I can I can no longer neglect that side. Um, because it is actually the most important side. Some people beg to differ. They you know, they, but I'm like, yeah. Um, that's been the greatest part of my life, man. Cause I've been through some rough times and stuff like that. And that was a part that helped me. Uh so I'm like, without that, uh nothing matters. Yeah, yeah. And,
1: and I value that you stick to your truth. And I I, I, I I uh direct the correlation to like Dr. King, right? Um, when the yeah. uh, um The civil rights bills were signed. Mm -hmm. Um, He stuck to his truth. You know, he went against the Vietnam War and Mm -hmm. when he did that. He lost a lot of support um, to the black community as well as, you know, his next thing was the the poor people movement. Mm -hmm. You know, that was his next thing that he was trying to get everybody together because he thought like that was going to be the next fight was Mm -hmm. to have and have nots. And unfortunately, you know, he was assassinated. And so he- mm-hmm. what he um, started. So I I, I put those coalitions together because at the end of the day, you're sticking to your truth.
2: Yeah,
1: That's the most important thing. You may lose a lot of people. That's fine. As long as you stick to your truth and you look yourself in the mirror every day and say, you know what, I'm doing the right thing. That's the yeah. most important thing. And that's the one thing a lot of people don't realize is like, before Dr. King was assassinated, he lost a lot of support. He was like a man on a, in an island by himself. Wow! And now nowadays people love him. You know, everybody quote him. But you know, a couple of months before he died, he was literally by himself. <laughs> but wow. you know, but that's the reality. But going back to the beginning,
2: mm-hmm. right?
1: you're originally from Jamaica, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Tell me the experience of living in Jamaica, and then, like, what got you into um, Japan? Like the like, what kind of kind of like um, like tickle the feathers? Like, you know what? I I want to go to
2: Japan. <laughs> okay. Um. So yeah that that story. Uh. So I grew up in Jamaica. And I've always been creative artistic, right? So like, uh, for instance, I used to um, draw a lot and stuff like that, um, and you know, paint and all that art, artsy stuff. And um, I was introduced to anime one day randomly. Um, I can't remember, I was maybe, I don't know, 9, 10, I don't know. And uh, all my cousins, because for some reasons, the boys in the family all can draw like really well. I'm not sure why. It's like <laughs> a boy thing. So uh, we, were, we went to our neighbor's house all of us. And then we, I think when we opened the door, we were there, I think we were watching something and this anime came on. So all of us were introduced to it at the same time. I was like, Oh snap, look at this thing. We have these characters. Like, oh my God, It's crazy. <laughs> and um, that was a, my first introduction to anime. Um, anime. And uh, then uh, it was, I think it was in high school. Uh, my brother was telling me this because I never even, never even remember the details. He's like, oh, remember you said you were going to study Japanese because you wanted to understand anime more. You wanted to understand the language. I'm like, oh, that's what I said? I'm like, I never don't, called. I I, don't <laughs> recall. Uh, so I "Did I went to a language school in Jamaica, right? Okay. But it was only for like one year uh, to study Japanese. And um, so I did that. And uh, even in high school, everyone kept asking me, I guess I was talking about it a lot. Like, "When are you going to Japan? Because I guess I, was, I just started talking about Japan all the time. And um, went to the language school. And then that was kind of like, I'm like, okay, uh, Japan at some point, but I never went to Japan right after, but right. I immigrated to Canada, okay. right? So that's the, so that's the move. And then Japan kind of just became phased out of my mind for some reason until one day um, I had this, this part-time job um, and then a small business I was trying to build on, on the side as well. And uh, just one, just, this just, to, just to show you the serendipity of life, how life works um I planted a seed I guess or God had a plan for me uh so I was talking about Japan all this time did you know went to the school you know got the basics and all that done with the language down with the language then I was at the school talking to a manager in the department I was working in mm-hmm. um I was doing this thing that you call tabling <clears throat> and uh she was coming in we started having a conversation randomly one day just she was just walking by started talking and we started talking about Japan um i can't remember how the conversation started like what triggered the japan um talk but she uh had lived in japan for two years right so i think she was a i think she she a teacher or something like that she did something for two years and then i'm like snap then in that moment everything came back to my mind i'm like oh yeah japan <laughs> right so i'm like okay i'm like you know what yeah i want to go She's like, you should, you should, and stuff. I'm like, okay. Um, I think she told me the program or something like that. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to talk to my wife when I go home. The very same day, went to my house, spoke to my wife about it. I'm like, look, um, hey, uh, you know, like, what do you think about Japan? She wanted, my wife wanted to go to another country to get her master's. I remember at one point before we met, like, that was something that she wanted to do. And um, I'm like, what do you think about Japan? Because it seemed like she liked traveling. So I'm like, what about Japan? And she's like okay um, she was down she's like okay let's try it and the program that um, she applied for because uh, she was actually she's actually a trained teacher right uh, the deadline was two weeks away can you imagine that Wow two weeks away so and the, the window period was right. uh, I think it was between it was a, I think it was an eight months window eight right. months right? right so and then when the con- the conversation happened it was within the last two weeks there was two wow. weeks left imagine if we had that conversation like two weeks (laughs) everything was just like perfectly positioned for and i'm a man of action right so if i'm if i say i'm gonna do something i'm I'm not gonna wait so we already had had a conversation i'm like okay as i reached home that same day after work had the conversation with my wife she's down because she's down like that applied or whatever and um a few months after we got a call right uh she did the, she did the process and then she got through and then we're, and then we were selected to to come to Japan to Tokyo actually because the good thing about that was we had a friend that lived in Tokyo so I guess they wanted us to be right. close to a friend and stuff like that right um, <laughs> and yeah we got our first choice which was cool because you they ask you you know where, where do you want to go in Japan right and um we came and that's how we came wow. uh and it was like so it was I think it was uh November. 2015 uh, i spoke to the manager i believe and then that was a deadline that month as well and then 2016 we were in japan wow right um so that was a journey i never knew i never um had any intention to start bj but bj just kind of grew out of um uh of just the experience and as well before even that my social media introduction because it's a it's a unbroken line if you think about it was in 2015 I did live streams right oh. but I was but I was praying for people <laughs> right <laughs> so my live stream was it was motivational at first I think I did like motivation for maybe 2 days or something like that right. and my wife was like well I think I can't remember the exact conversation uh, but I know I was doing something for 2 days on the live stream and she's like why don't, she suggested why don't you just pray for people right and so what I did was I'm like okay cool cuz I'm known as a i think of a man of faith like usually like i can i, I usually have a pretty strong faith like i believe right. crazy stuff and people sometimes think i'm crazy but i just believe god's so strong right um because i think he can do anything that's my position it's not me it's him right um and uh so i i kind of just use my faith to help people right. so i would pray for them i'm like you know i send a prayer request i was doing that every single night and the business i had at the time custom clothing business, weren't really making money. That's why I was doing the part-time job right. and I'm trying to do this business on the side. I wasn't really making no money, to be honest. <laughs> uh, we couldn't survive from what we were making. And then for some reason, I don't even know. Um, I think it was because I decided to just do this for God. That's my thinking. I think God blessed because of that. Um, blessed what, what I was doing because um I was praying for people every single night. So that was my first introduction into social media, okay. Right, really doing this thing, doing live streams, praying for people. Some people came on, they mocked me, but you had a good amount of people who came on with good right. intentions. They wrote their prayer requests. I would pray for them on, on the live stream. Um, and then I remembered it was a pastor that called me one day and he had an order. There was a conference coming up, right? And I think it was a really small order. I think it was 30 pieces at right. first. And then, Long story short, that became 500 plus pieces wow. and that was what started me. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I, 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 yes, my, I pivoted my business now to, right. um, to, uh, provide custom clothing services right? because before I was selling my own designs. right? So I was trying to sell people something that I wanted to sell them. Right. Um, but when the pastor called and the thing is, I never, I'd never done that before. right? He asked like, Oh, do you do stuff for people? And I'm like i I'm like, look, I read like a lot of motivation, um, uh, personal development, b- personal development books and stuff like that, and I study business and stuff like that. So right. for me, my mind is always like, I ain't gonna say no. I'm like, even if I don't know how to do it, <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm like, yeah, and then right. I figure, I figure, figure the thing out afterwards. And let me get some water real quick. I I talk too fast. I'm sorry. No, 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 no that's fine, brother. <laughs> so I um I. I said yes, but I never, I hadn't done this before, you know. I'm like yes, and then I figured it out, and that order became a big order, and then that was what set me up. And now I started to do um, uh, stuff for uh, restaurants. It was mostly B two B, right? Yeah. So restaurants, uh, consultation companies. Um, and one of the last places I did that was pretty significant before I moved to Japan was a bank. I started like providing stuff for banks as well. Right. So I was, bro, I was growing and stuff, and I guess my parents were so they weren't. They, they weren't happy that I was moving to Japan because they're like, yo, now you're doing something. He's a girl and you're doing good. Like, what are right. you doing? You're leaving to go <laughs> to this country now, right? Right. Because they know like I was grinding. And even when I left my job to do the business full time, they were not in approval because my daughter was super young. She was. But the thing is, my faith, I really got so strong. So I know people don't understand because they think I'm crazy, but like you, you have a newborn baby, uh, you have a wife. Uh, you can leave your job, dude, like to pursue this business that might not work. Are you nuts? Right. But I believed. I don't. I, it's just a thing. I don't know. Uh, so I did it, and it worked. Um, thank God for that. And uh, anyway, so they saw the progression, and um, they they never believed that the business was gonna work. Right. But now they saw it. And then when I'm come when I was leaving for Japan, I'm like, look, they never approved. I'm like, look. When I was in the business, y'all never believed it was going to work anyways. Right. <laughs> so, I so when y'all are talking about stuff, I'm like, let me, let my eye see. I will, right. I'll see, I can see what I see. Y'all can't see it. Right. So I just, this is what I want to do. Right. So we kind of went to Japan. So that was kind of, kind of like the backstory. Um, and what happened with that, that platform was when I moved to Japan, I changed it mm. from training for people. To live um to live streams, mm, so mm. what I was doing was I was showing people Japan. I'm like, okay, let me just show them my experience. Right, and um, uh, that was yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I think that's I got is like coming back now to say, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> so I did that, and someone suggested, uh, they're like, hey, why don't you do YouTube? Right. So I moved from live. I did live stream still. That's what I started with. I did live stream still. Then I moved to YouTube, right. started doing videos. Right. I'd never done videos really before that. And um, uh I just started doing like vlogs, right? Yeah. And then from vlogs, um people kept asking me, <clears throat> even the live stream about just the black experience, like what it's like being black? They see a black man in Tokyo, are like what's going on? Mm-hmm. um so people ask, started asking them uh, que- uh, asking those questions, and I kind of just used uh, my journalism background from Jamaica to just kind of like form this this uh this thing. and um that wasn't that people never really cared about it in the beginning, but I did. Right, because I just I just as I always said everything I do, I do from my heart. I try to right. That's the first place. I don't think about anything else. Like I'm just going with what I want to do with my heart. And uh so I was excited about the whole project. Um, you know, interviewing people. Um at the time on my phone, I keep saying that. I'm like, yeah, I started from the bottom, you know, kinda just on my phone. Um, (laughs) and then uh worked my um worked my way up, but I guess I wasn't trying to work my way up, but I'm just saying that I started from the bottom with the phone, and then it became popular. I never knew that was going to happen, right. and then I kind of just started, just just keep doing what I'm doing and trying to improve. And even now, I'm still trying to improve because uh, I still make some mistakes and stuff like that. But um, uh, the goal is to become better and better, um, you know, every single day. So that's the journey from there till now. I know I'm bringing back God in it full circle. So it's like, oh, and 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 that's the important thing is that you don't
1: even realize it that you know you you got a masters in uh, in networking <laughs> you, if you think about it but you mm. you're not thinking about it at that time because you're yeah. passionate about what you're doing yeah it comes from the heart like you said mm-hmm. and so it's genuine and so because it's genuine that's why you have this loyal base with
0: mm-hmm.
1: you you know on YouTube and the different things you do you have people that support you because it comes from Love, yeah, and, and and empathy of other people, and and that's a beautiful thing, and that's why I admire you, man. You like, that's why I'm one of the like one of your big fans on YouTube because everything you do is from because of love because you love people, you love yeah. life, and you can just just feel it from just this conversation with you is that like you enjoy every minute that you're on yeah. this and that's important,
2: Yeah, bro, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know that's that's where it's at. And it's um yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a journey. Um, it's like the next phase, the next stage uh um, is like I'm still not sure about how the execution um with and stuff. I'm still working on that. Um, but um it's coming from the heart, that's the thing, right? And that's although I break all the rules because it's like when it comes down to the rules and stuff, it's like okay, this is the way things should be done. But I tend to follow my heart. You know, I tend to follow my heart. I, um, what was it? I think TD Jake said something. I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm breaking that rule as well. TD Jake said, um, uh, keeping it real will keep you broke. <laughs> it's like, it's like, hey, you can't really keep it too real. But I'm like, for me, I know I, I do stuff that probably shouldn't do. Like I'm maybe too vulnerable, maybe too transparent, maybe too real. And just be my authentic self. Yeah, and that sometimes might not be the best, but I'm like, it's a. I'm like, I can't help myself. I'm like, I think it's the best way to just be,
1: man. I'm like, no, it is, and that's the one thing that as black men we have to be vulnerable. That's one thing we're told at our early age is not to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's this wall up that oh, you know, it's okay to be this machismo, but no, it's mm-hmm. okay. It's okay to be vulnerable because you know what, people appreciate that because yeah. that's you're genuine. That's that's who you are. And and that's the most important thing at the end of the day. Um, but um going back to, you know, you created this um this this brand of changing the narrative. Um, can you kind of talk about like some of like the highs and lows of creating the black experience in Japan? Can you talk about some of the low moments, like when you felt like I don't know if it is, this is going to work out and or or as well as can you talk about like when that moment happens like you know what I got something this is my niche this is what this is working
2: the thing is to be honest that wasn't in my mind okay um, it wasn't to me it wasn't you know it's like <laughs> it was um, when I started the Black Experience in Japan I at some points I ran away from it um, because like when I started it I did it I did the documentary and stuff and I was like I'm like, okay, it might be a bit challenging because you got to find people, right? And it's like, that might be a challenge. So I'm like, I don't know, like you got to find people and you got to, you know, do all this work. And uh, so I did it initially uh, just to just answer a question, right? So I never really had, um, well, I did find like a book where I wrote down all the stuff that I wanted to do and stuff like that, but I was just doing it out of the love. Like I wasn't trying to... uh you know, like to say, okay, this is going to make it. This is going to be my thing. This is going right. to be what I, I wasn't looking at it as like an, a niche. I wasn't looking at it as like an opportunity. I legitimately l- enjoyed the process. Mm. That was it. So like I was meeting new people, right. I was hearing their stories. Um, I was editing the videos. Like usually when I, I went out to did an interview, I would edit it at the same time because I was so excited about it. Like it was really driven by passion. right? So it was, I was just doing, I was just doing it. Just doing my thing, um, and I did. I think I stopped for uh, maybe a few months, and I was focusing on live streams and vlogs and stuff, um, because I guess it was I don't know maybe it was easier to do. I was used used to doing that, and then for some reason B J kept for some. I, it's, it's very weird to explain, but it was talking to me, right? Right? Um, it's like because I had like um, the posters for the from the launch um, in my house, and I was looking at it in my office all the time. And like, for some reason, I just felt like I was being drawn to it. You know, it's almost like you started something and then you're kind of like, I wasn't focused. It wasn't my my right. main focus, but it was, for some reason, it was uncomfortable. I was like, ah, this thing is calling me so strong. And, um, I'm like, okay, I give it. I'm just going to do it. I'm okay. I'm going to just, I'm just going to keep I, that literally. That was what happened. Right. I was trying to focus on something else, but it kept pulling. Me, <laughs> right. That's the truth. 100%. Right. And then I just, started, I'm like, okay, cool then I started to just continue it. And I started doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And then eventually just, it just happened. So people keep asking me questions how I'm like, I don't know. That's it. You know, and sometimes I think some stories, that's just the way it is, right? Some stories just happen. It's not maybe God had a plan. And I think God had a plan. Um, So I can't say uh this was premeditated and I knew exactly what I was doing. Right. right? Because If I did, and I keep telling people, because people ask me about this, it's like, I would replicate my success every single time. Right. And it doesn't happen all the time. Right. So I've released so many videos and some do this, some do that. Because if anyone knew the exact formula, every single video would be a hit. That's but,
1: true. Very true.
2: But you, but you don't know how to do it. So that video just happened for whatever reason. And um, I just, you know, I just kept, you know, I just kept doing what I was doing. That, that's pretty much it. And it kind of just got to where um, it's at today right so it wasn't low moments um was maybe more so you know just learning the whole process of um how to do the videos editing i I guess i have an eye i I think i have an eye i do make mistakes sometimes and all the mistakes i make i know (laughs) so it's not like (laughs) i'm like audio on this one this on that one um but i wanted to get a story out so that was my most important thing so i never really cared i'm like you know what the story is the important thing i gotta get it out um and so most time, more times the equipment maybe wouldn't work as I wanted it to work. You know, I started editing on my phone too. So I, I did everything on my phone in, in the beginning, right? Because my motto is, and I've said this before, it's like, uh, the thing that I'm trying to do, can I get the job done with, with the things I have already, right? Of course, yeah, I could maybe try to go and get a camera and get a computer and get all these things, blah, 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 blah. blah. But before I even go there, Because this is how I do business from even Canada. It's like, what do I have? Can I get the job done with these resources? Right. Without, you know, um, increasing my expenditure. Can I do it? If I can, I get the job done. And then you work your way from there. So, So I was doing all that, you know, filming on my phone, editing on the phone. And sometimes that's a little small thing you got in your hands and you're just like, and I'm like oh snap! This <laughs> <And just laughs> happened to it. I'm like oh, this crashed, and then I'm just like oh my god! And you know, so that was that was the most challenging part, you know, um, in the in the beginning, and um, I guess I overcame that, you know. So that was it, man. So I think that was a journey. So yeah, that was it. That was it.
1: And it's just amazing to where you're at right now. But w- out of the thousand stories that you've done, which one kind of res- resonates you? with you the most, that kind of you relate to the most? You've done a lot, but <laughs> but you know, know that one that you always go back to and you're like, and it, it, it hits your heartstring a little bit.
2: You know what? I, I can't say one story because <laughs> it's not just stories, right? There are people too, and it's like, people keep asking me like, which one? I'm like, all of them. <laughs> or like, it's like a mosaic and each one represents something, um, each one is someone's authentic story. Right. and I think all of them has something in there in some way, shape or form, um you know, that can uh, inform us right. in some capacity. so I, I wouldn't I don't want to say this one or that one. Uh, <laughs> they're all, um you know, unique
1: definitely. I, hey, I, that's a great politic wor- uh, way to look at it, you know, if it's <laughs> office, I understand, <laughs> but um, but um as a as a family man tell me the life experience of living in japan um Mm -hmm. a black family living in japan because your wife your wife is a teacher Mm -hmm. and what i've learned that your your daughter loves school but talk walk me into that experience
2: yeah um well i guess as a as a father um the i guess two of the most important things for you is you want to be able to protect and provide right so um, especially, you want to protect. That's a big thing as well. You want to make sure that you know um, you're in a society where you are the minority, like like point maybe or less. Um, and uh, people respond to difference in different ways, right? Sometimes it's not positive. And I have a daughter, right? And she just she turned six last year and it's like okay she's going into school and you want to make sure that she's okay um you know you are just you know like fathers and daughters you you're just like you don't want anyone to mess with your daughter because it's problems um and uh so that's one thing that was in my mind it was okay i've read stories right and i'm like how can i you know so so these are things that we're thinking about uh how can we make and i think a lot of people in japan whether it's mixed kids or black families or maybe just foreigner family, families overall. They're trying to find ways to make the transition as smooth as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I get my my child into this school environment, and for them to experience as as little bullying as possible? Um, and so that was one of the big things that we were thinking about. Um, she's moving into elementary school this year, and apparently, from what I've heard, that's a school where these things start to, start to, to happen. Right. Um, so we were thinking about that that a lot. Um, and, uh, so far so good. Um, you know, like most, so she, most kids are fine. Maybe one and two might not talk to her for whatever reason. Right. Um, but I guess that's, that's true across the board in any country you reside in. Uh, right. so, so far she hasn't had any experiences that would make me want to pull her out of, out of a school or to go up to the school and conference some people because I'm like, I would do that. Cause I'm like, you don't mess with my daughter. Uh, <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't care. Uh, so, so far, so good. It's cool, um, but uh, that that's that's the the main thing. Um, it's cool. Like you know, I spend a lot of time with my daughter. Um, I drop her to school now. Uh, usually we take her to the bus. It's fine. I go by the school sometimes. Um, so far, it's it's not bad. Growing up in um, her growing up in Japan is so far so good there were some questions at one point that she asked me as a um myself and my i think she asked my wife it was asking why is she black wow. um like why is she different and she it's crazy that she was asking like why is her like handmade like this color yeah. this side like, this color just, why is this white and this black i don't get it um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and when she was in the beginning stages of learning japanese uh, she sort of regretted the fact that English was her first language, right? Because she had to like listen. But now she's like learning a lot. She's communicating herself now. But initially, going into school, right. already right. having a foundation of English, right? Like, so now you gotta observe and try to, to um, absorb as much as you can. And she found that challenging. You can imagine, right? You're trying to like a whole right. new language. Right. Um, so I guess she, in the beginning stages, or in the beginning, she was like, you know, like, I wish Japanese was my first language but now she's cool she's learning more and more each day so overall it hasn't been that big of a challenge mm-hmm. um uh people say people say elementary school is where stuff happens um mm-hmm. but so far in comparison to elsewhere she loves it she loves going to school like if if for whatever reason she can't go she would just be like ah you know like she's not happy but- um uh, she was telling us, what, yesterday, I think it was, that she wanted, she enjoyed staying at school um, beyond the time. Because usually, because of the way Japan is, they don't have a lot of, like, daycare system, right? right. It's a massive shortage in Japan. That's actually, actually an opportunity for people. Like, if someone can get some, think about a business or whatever, because there's a shortage. So, schools have this thing where kids can come in very, very early. Right. And leave very very late, so you, the parent can drop the child off before going to work and pick them up after work. But you gotta like pay for the extra time. But she's like, oh, she enjoys being there beyond the time because she gets to play and whatever. Right. So she enjoys being in the environment. So that's cool. So I'm like, okay, she's cool with that. She enjoys it. So it's not, you know, it's not something that's bad for her. She's not being traumatized or experiencing anything that that she would that she would say to me, man, I don't want to go to school. So I'm like, that's a good side. Right. Um, so overall, it's been cool. Um, you know, we, we operate within the house like, I guess, a Jamaican-Canadian family. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> so it's like inside inside the house is is like a, a foreign land in the country. But we still, we still play <laughs> Japanese music sometimes. She watches Japanese cartoons, and we listen to Japanese and stuff. And we try to like study and just test each other with words and stuff like that sometimes. But it's cool. Like I think it's a, it's fine. Um, of course. No family is perfect. Like you know, like you might have disagreement with your spouse and stuff like that, and um, yeah, that's, that's it's, totally normal. You got two different people, right? Um, but it's a, I think it's a, a normal family for the most part. Um, I think it's fine. I don't think there's anything. Um, maybe just the way that Japan as a country operates, you might have to do certain things differently in terms of paperwork and stuff like that. But beyond that, it's pretty normal.
1: Yeah, because I know, like in one of your videos, like. Your daughter's like the out, like the the icebreaker. Like you guys would like do family time, and then they would like see your daughter. They'll light up, and then that kind of start the conversation to adult. Can you kind of yeah.
2: talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I think. um, Well, if you think about it, going back to the perception of, of black people as a black man, you know, if you're big, right, and stuff like that, uh, people might look at you as scary, right? So <laughs> Walking through the street. They see you. If you're too tall or too big, people might be intimidated, right? Right. Um, And like when I'm walking by myself, it's a different experience, right? And then when I'm walking with my wife, a different experience. And as a family, it's a different experience, right? So I think it's from the man alone, very, very intense. The man with a woman, his wife, not as intense or intimidating. You know, then with a daughter, it's like, oh, snap, a normal family. Oh, like, I don't know, for some reason she represents like this little cute baby and little girl, and they're like, oh, look, kawaii. And, and then they start with her, and then it makes it easier for them uh, to just converse with us. But if you're by yourself, like me, walking around, some people, maybe men, maybe rarely, might say what up or something. But right, people are kind of like, I, get, I guess, a bit scared, I guess, when they see a black man walking through the street. and yeah. But um I a daughter makes it or a child makes it easier because Japanese for some reason seem to like kids a lot. Um so it's funny that it, they seem to like kids, but they don't have a lot of kids. But it's a work culture though. It's 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 it's, it's very, very bad.
1: Yeah, because because um, it, it's kind of weird in a way too, because you see like some of the the characters the creator create, they're like this childlike anime, like it yep. is um Almost like doll-like characters, yeah, that represent a certain things. So you don't see a lot of kids, but the way they advertise is kids-friendly. So I, yeah. I can't connect it to a little bit. It's kind of weird. Yeah,
2: yeah I think um, they do like. I think they do like kids, but I think it's more so. It's not. Um, there's a documentary about why uh, Japanese are not really copulating or having sexual intercourse as much. Um, But I don't think I watched it. But I, just, I saw the title of that. Um, but so I don't know about that phenomenon, but, uh, I, I, I know that the work culture makes it kind of hard, um, because I have even friend, I have friends who are seeking a spouse or seeking a partner, like, and they they can't find one for some reason. And they're always busy. They're working, working, working. So it's like, if you think about it, like, if you're always working, you don't really have time to even date. Right. So then maybe you got to try to find someone online. Right. Uh, some people might be too shy to approach a person. So that also is there. um, And then if you do find someone and you do get married, then it's like, okay, when are you going to have time uh, to do all these things to have a child? And I've heard, it's kind of weird, but I've heard that apparently like after a Japanese woman uh, has a child, the the marriage is not treated like a marriage anymore. It Mm -hmm. moves from a husband and a wife to like a mother, father thing. And they don't really come together as much. That's what I've heard. I don't know if this is right across the board, but it seems like once a a baby comes into the mix, the dynamic of the relationship will change, of course, normally. But for some reason, it's almost like the husband and wife part is almost no longer there. It's more so just like a child rearing arrangement, which I've heard that I haven't delved deeper to try to see if this is true or not. But I think there are different factors overall that why people, where there's a shortage of like, you know um relationships where they're producing children but it's affecting the country you know as you know like it's a declining population asian population um in a few years if they don't do something about it the japanese people might no longer be here right it's kind of crazy to even think about such a a world but something has to be done and that's why they need more foreigners to come into the country right and uh and especially low-skilled workers who um, the Japanese people don't want to do those jobs, right. so they need people from overseas to come and fill those positions, um, so the country can be productive and they can keep the economy moving forward. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, quite a big issue.
1: Definitely, because I see like when it comes to Japan culture, I, I just feel that they're very resilient because you know last last year was the seventy five year anniversary of the the bomb that dropped on Hiroshima. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think about it, that's not that long ago. Yeah. And to be where they're at right now is extraordinary. So I always wondered, like, the kinship between Japanese and black people because we, you know, we've all been through atrocities.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I thought that would always be a commonality because of the historical past. But again, like you were saying, um a lot of people from Japan they come from like um a aloof mindset like oh uh the perception from of black people because mm-hmm. they what they see on TV. kind um, mm-hmm. of like dive into that a little bit. I don't know, I know that's a little a little deep, but um, I always thought because of the historical past, there's some form of connection between yeah. black and, and Japanese.
2: Uh, Someone also said something similar about South Korea as well, the Koreans, um, because of what they experienced. Um, And um, I don't, for some, I don't know if they, you might have some, I can't speak for the whole populace. First of all, I'm like an outsider, I'm a foreigner. um, So I don't have much insight in that regard. Um, But I know that some people are aware and maybe the vast majority aren't um, of some of the struggles. They might not know the whole, the full story. Uh, they might just, I've heard maybe bits and pieces from, you know, just here and there. Uh, you know, I did a series, a short series about what Japanese think about black people. And some people were offended by it, but I'm just like, look, if you want to know what they think, I got to get some of them and let them speak for themselves. Right. Right. So I think that was the best way to do it. Um, so I just put these people in a position where their voices could be amplified. So people could hear the perception really, really old people. You know, um, young people as well, and for the most part, was, it was positive. But you got to think about it too—that they're online, they're going to be public-facing. Right. They might not say everything they want to say, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, but they did talk about uh, the perception of, you know, like people from Africa based on what they see in media. Because when you watch, when you see media with Africans, do you think Africans are this way based on what you've seen? Yeah. So they have that perception, and then when they think about more. Uh, prosperous countries, they have a different percep- perception because they feel like, well, this these people might not be taken from us because right. they're already okay. Um but I don't know if they if they see this sort of intersection um you know with like their struggles, what like um what, what they faced with the from um, Hiroshima, the bomb and all that with what black people went through. I don't I think that might be a very small percentage of people in Japan that might think about what it feels like uh you know to be you know treated in that way um uh juxtaposed with the black struggle itself Um, i think maybe only if enlightened few might perceive it that way um but um yeah it's some people i don't know someone wrote a comment in one of the one of the videos i did i think it was yesterday i saw this comment and i'm just like man Uh, the guy was like asians he said look it's just one comment one perspective so i'm not saying that this is across the board uh, because a lot of people get offended really easily but i'm like look it's one person's opinion he said that he's asian and he's saying asians generally treat all races okay right. fine respectful until you want to marry one of their child and you're black because that's what he said so he's saying look as long as they don't care you're fine they treat you respectfully until you're a black person and you're trying to marry their child and then you see the racist racist side come out um, maybe that's his family right. or his friends I don't know what he's saying from his perspective that's what he that's what he thinks um so people you got different people man you got some really cool Japanese that that I've met and some Japanese that don't seem to be too fun uh, but uh you know it's just it's just the way it is it's humans right and that's the thing that's when we talk about God and we go down to uh the narrative of black people it's like people talk about sin and the thing is like if we follow what Jesus says Love God, the two greatest commandments. Think about it for a second. Yep. Love God with everything within you, and your neighbor as yourself. Yep. Racism would not ex- would not exist if people treated each other the way that they would like to be treated. It's that simple. End of story. It's yep. like if we followed his, like his example, because people. Sometimes I call, all of us have like light and dark within us, and then he came so that the light can just take over the dark side right and we can walk in the light um and it's like these people if you the thing is some people can say that they follow they know jesus or whatever the case is but if you're not living your life as he said that's why when people blame christians because they they do this to me when i started talking about god about the slave trade and the christians i'm like look I, i i understand what you're saying i'm like look Sometimes you know, back in the day, I'm like, Man, I wish I could go back in the past, you know, like (laughs) because I'm like, like, you know, I'm like to wreak havoc, you know, that was what I was thinking in my mind. Because I'm like, Man, I'm like, I was saying to my wife last night after watching Woodlawn, I'm like, I think God put the most dangerous people in this era. Because I'm like, The the black people now, I don't know, I'm just saying, I could be wrong, but I'm (laughs) like, If we were back then, I don't know if i'm like it's a different story i'm like i don't know if y'all could you know but i don't know i could be wrong but <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what, what i'm saying is that they come in the form of like oh i'm christian or whatever but anyone can take on a label and say you're something that you're not no. it's like their actions their fruit yeah. so you cannot be reading from the bible that says um love your neighbors self. love your enemies that's yeah. what we can you imagine? That's what it says. That's what Jesus says. So if everyone were following that, then we would have no problems because you wouldn't treat me bad because you don't want to treat it. want to be treated yeah. back. You would give me my fair due because you want to be given your fair due. Very and true. that's the thing. So if if everyone saw each other like that, you wouldn't be treated anyways. It's, it's it's crazy how easily um the double standards that we have and how easily we treat someone else a certain way. And I try to do this to myself. Sometimes I think and say, wait, what if I was in this position? Right. And I sit with it for a second. Right. And immediately by putting yourself in someone's shoes like that, you're like, man, okay, this is, okay, snap, that doesn't feel that good. Right. I don't like how this feels. Okay, maybe this is what I need to do. And I think if more people did that, if more people did that, right, because I can't, I was watching the movie and I'm like, man, I can't imagine can you imagine the hate in someone's heart? Right. And Do I, some of the things they did. I,
1: yeah. And, and I think it goes, the hate goes back to insecurity of self. When you're insecure mm-hmm. of yourself, usually that's yeah. when hate comes out the most. And I think that's the main reason why. Um, but um, going back to the common theme of everything, mm-hmm. um, the common theme of a lot of your interviews goes back to the concept of freedom. Mm -hmm. um so can you kind of break that down for me because i felt that was powerful especially from your documentary a lot Mm -hmm. of uh black people that live in asia the common theme was freedom that they felt the true essence of freedom in asia than they did living in the states
2: Mm. you know uh, one question that could be posed is um is the the sense of freedom or the experience of freedom, the way you feel about it, the same as freedom itself. Meaning, because some people would say, well, some of these people, I'm just saying like, some people would say, well, the more you learn about a country and a society, um, maybe you wouldn't perceive it the way that some people perceive it. Like, uh, so, so some people are saying, well, you feel like you're free or you feel like you're safe, but in actuality, you aren't really free and you aren't really safe. So the, a question to pose would be what's, re, what's safety or what's freedom? The feeling of it or the reality of it? I'm like, if you're experiencing it as freedom and safety, I'm like, I think, well, I'm thinking that's okay, I think, right? Because some people might say Black people feel in a way in way in, in these countries, but the truth of the matter is when whatever hits the fan is something else. Uh, but most people feel that. Like they feel like when they go out, um they feel like they're okay uh um no one does anything to them uh they're able to go to work do what they want to do start things um you know and and just get things done have peace of mind all these things and like people have experienced that for years yes you got good days bad days like anywhere else but i'm like they experience that that level of freedom they experience that level of safety and as i said some people do have bad experiences where bad uh, encounters with police, um, really, really horrible experiences at jobs. Uh, so that does exist as well. But at the same time, a lot of people feel safe, feel free. So it's like the baggage you had from somewhere else. You you don't have that when you come here, right? Like you feel like you don't have to worry as much. Um, you know, like I remember this guy in Hokkaido, he said, you got to put an armor on. You know like elsewhere you're going outside you got to put this armor on you got to be ready to go at any moment in japan you're chill you're laid back you don't feel like you gotta be in you gotta be ready to defend yourself right like when i move around japan i'm just chill and you know, i'm just like i'm cool and that's why when i had like maybe the one and two uh negative experiences It took a while for me to like get to to the breaking point, right? Because I don't walk around just ready to go because it's not like Jamaica. In Jamaica, you got to be ready to go. (laughs) At at any moment, bro, like someone could try to rob you on the street or some encounter with some dude or something. So you got to be in that frame of mind every time. It's not even a joke, right? So it's like um, in in Japan, you don't even think about that really. You're just chilling. So it's like, are we really free? Are we really safe? I don't know, but we feel really free and we feel really safe and we do experience um, uh, peace of mind. Just like that video I did, the live stream. I'm by the lake. Yeah. Mount is right there. I'm chilling, the sunset. Sometimes in a Japanese garden, you go by the river. I go for my runs and stuff. Go like you're running, meditating, whatever, you know, listening to something. You're cool, right? So I'm just like, hey, people feel that. And um, that's what they experience. Like, so it seems like it's a place where if people think things of you, it really, it mostly exists in their minds. Uh, I don't know what the future will look like. Uh, Like as more people come over and the country starts to change a bit, but for now and in the past, people have lived there for, you know, decades and they experience the same thing. So I think um, that's what people feel.
1: And I, I, and I definitely feel, and I think the best advice is when it comes to freedom, going back to what we were talking about before, the discussion about Mount Fiji, um, I think um, nature is the great uh, advice when it comes to freedom. Mm-hmm. Because when I look at the picture of um, the video you did of Mount Fiji, you see the mountain, you see the sunset, you see the water, that's yeah. right there. That's freedom right there.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, no, it's it's like you're one with. I, yeah, man, it's a different, um, it's a different feeling. That's what I like about Japan. There's a lot of that, you know, a lot of that, like all over. Sometimes I just want to go for like a ride somewhere and just chill. You know, like when I was doing that tour across Japan, uh, a few prefectures, not the whole Japan, a few prefectures, and I was in the midst of nature, man. And it's a beautiful thing, man. Beautiful feeling.
1: And that's the one advice I can give to 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 just black people, just people in in general, just. Enjoy nature, you know. Yeah. If you're looking for that answer, go to nature. Um, this is a great conversation. I think I, I, I want to do this for like hours <laughs> because you know you definitely you know made my. This was my bucket list, and it was truly oh, wow. a privilege and an honor to give uh, to have this conversation with you. Um, before we end this up, what advice do you have to um, just people in general that thinking about leaving the States to go to Asia? What advice do you have for them?
2: Okay. You know, I was thinking about it in a video or something like that. Um, yeah. I, I think one is to understand that um, Japan or Asia is just another region in the world, right? Uh, so there will be, people issues right people are people wherever you go right and you'll find people with so it's like so don't think of it as a place like as a utopia it's not heaven right (laughs) we're we're not heaven (laughs) is not yet heaven is not yet right um so come with an open mind right but but at the same time don't expect it to be perfect all around right because sometimes if you're expecting perfection and you get something with a little blemish then they are disappointed just don't expect perfection. Um, but come with an open mind, ready to, uh, pursue your dreams, your goals. Um, also being willing to be immersed in the, in the community as well, right. In the culture, right. Just try to become a part of it and, uh, just give your best. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for the most part. I just don't think it's a utopia. Come to contribute, of yourself, and pursue your dreams, and um, you know, take it one day at a time. Uh, and I think it should be a better experience um, in some capacity than what you're used to. It's something different. It's something different. It will add more color to your life, I think.
1: And this conversation had added a lot of color to my <laughs> to 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 my light and our world and and everything. Um, Tell the people out there how they can find you.
2: Okay. All right. So you you guys can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at T-H-E-B-L-A-C-K-E-X-J-P. And you can find us on YouTube at The Black Experience Japan um, and all social media platforms as well. Uh, Yeah. Thanks a lot.
1: And the website is uh, on the ticker below. So check out the website.
2: All right, BlackXJP.com. Ishmael, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you. And you guys have a good night or good morning, wherever you, <laughs> you reside from.
2: Yeah, it's evening time. Now, what time is it? It's about, let's see. Let me show you real quick. Yeah, it's 5.16 p.m. Sunday. Yeah, yeah it's 3.16. <laughs> oh, wow. Late, man. Very, very late.
1: But it's all love, man. And it's truly a privilege and an honor to talk to you, sir. We got to do this again.
2: All right, bro. Blessings. All right. Hope it was good. (laughs) All right.
0: So for you. Yeah. Yeah.